to Ferreira making the run hard down the side. So that's Bronco Hara, who's all the way out there. Hara for Ferreira, finds Ariola, and he roofs it to tie the game. Dallas player to do so since Jeff Cunningham in 2009. Franco Jara here coming in. Out of Velasco. We'll give back to him. Back heel. Bar five. Crash! And Ariel almost had another one. It's a goal kick. Hey, and we're live, everyone. Welcome to Big D After Dark. Uh, excited to have you. Even though it is sort of a a uh, a bye week for FC Dallas with the international break in our midst. So we have plenty to talk about. We, we're going to talk about... United States men's national team stuff. Uh, and uh, in fact, Ishmael uh, was there for one of the games. And so we'll probably get his feedback on that uh, and how FC Dallas players are doing. But we're also going to talk about North Texas SC, a big victory at Colorado Rapids too. A lot of fun to watch that one, kind of break down where that team is and, and uh, the ceiling of that team. It just keeps getting higher and higher. And then uh, we could round some things out, maybe with the FC Dallas rumor and, and uh, kind of how things are looking for the team as they enjoy this time off. Uh, I'm, of course, the host, Nathan Hill. You can follow me at Nathan J. Hill on Twitter. Next to me is Ishmael. Uh, you can follow him at, at, at Belcora Ishma. And uh, below is uh, what we welcome back to the show, Jack McLean, at Jack W. McLean on Twitter, who specializes uh, with, uh, with North Texas uh, commentary and reflection on BigDSoccer.com. And, of course, our, our good friend Jose Carmona at El Chico Carmona. Buenas. All right. It's good to have good to have you all with us. And, of course, we'll take your comments and questions live. We love it when you share the show and spread, um, spread the reach of the show. And, of course, we also do uh, upload the audio to our podcast. You can find wherever you find podcasts. All right. Good. All right. We got that stuff out of the way. Let, let's just start out. It is International Week. Before we get to the North Texas uh, match, uh, let's just talk about the United States men's national team. Paul Ariola and Jesus Ferreira called up to play uh, a, a dominant performance, uh, although I've heard some different mix. I didn't get to watch all of the game against Morocco, but it was a clear win, 3-0 uh, win, and, uh, and then a draw in Kansas City against uh, Uruguay, uh, a much more challenging of a match perhaps uh, with some things we can learn, but maybe a little bit of disappointment as well. Ishmael hit the road, right? All the yeah. way to celebrate this, this moment, cheering for the USA and cheering for Morocco? Were no, I mean, I have my, my, my father's from Morocco, and uh, he has family, friends here that are from Morocco that they were like high school friends. So we all made the drive uh, to Cincinnati. Uh, and I mean, uh, they were giving me shtick the whole time. Um, I don't think a lot of them watch the U.S. Uh, they, they were very uh, confident, which made the victory a lot sweeter. Uh, going to the, yeah, going to the Cincinnati game, um, I think it – was the first time I ever watched uh, an, uh, a game at an MLS stadium that didn't have FC Dallas. I've gone to away games before, but I've never gone to like games um, in other stadiums that didn't have that FC Dallas wasn't playing in. So it was kind of an interesting experience. Uh, there were a lot of Moroccans there, like maybe five to seven thousand. It was a decent chunk. 
uh, and it was pretty even. And the the only reason that there were breakthroughs for the U.S. is because, in my opinion, once one team's defense and goalkeeper was good, and the other one was not. So overall, it was a fun experience, and I mean, it was better than I think I didn't go to Kansas City, even though it was closer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you got some good shots of you were posting sharing some shots of other stadiums along the way, which is really cool. Really cool yeah. to see. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to see the Nashville Stadium, and then I saw the Louisville USL and NWSL Stadium. Those are both awesome stadiums. So, really cool, re- re- really cool. Of course, uh, Jesus didn't score. Uh, hasn't, and, and he's gotten a little flack for it. Um, I don't know that Paul has done a lot either. I mean, these are friendlies. It's hard to put a bunch of pressure and know, know what you're going to get. But I, you know, should FC Dallas fans be a little nervous? that he's not putting the ball in the back of the net during this. Uh, he's getting a lot of minutes, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm at least a little bit nervous. Um, I think the thing we saw with the national team is just the pace of play is just a little bit faster and maybe just a little bit too fast for Ferrer right now. I mean, he's he's picked up so much steam this year in MLS, but that only prepares you for such a high level of play. And when Wea, who's used to playing in League One, is just whipping in balls, um, that are just coming too fast at him. I mean, I, I think he'll get there eventually. I just think it, he's still so young and he's still emerging onto the scene against, you know, pretty tough opponents. I mean, Uruguay was nothing easy to, I mean, go against Godin too. Like, it's a tough game, but I think he'll get there eventually. Jose, what about uh, you? For, for me, it reminds me of uh, Jesus at the beginning of the MLS season. We were seeing a lot of the same things, you know. He's he's doing a lot of great little things, you know, like pulling defenders with him, opening up space for the other guys to get the glory, but he's not doing the one thing that he's only going to get judged on, and that's scoring. He's doing everything else great, but he's not scoring, and it, it's so reminiscent of early this season. He was doing the same thing with FC Dallas, and it's like, hey, you know, he's doing all the other things that's going to come. Except the pressure at the U.S. men's national team level is, is just higher, you know. The the, the fans are going to give him zero credit unless he scores. And even then, they're probably still not going to give him credit. But mm-hmm. but they can't say he didn't score. But, and the thing is, it's just hard to watch him, you know, not put it in the net. Uh, you can see all the other wonderful things he's doing. And, and I, I said it on, on social media, I don't know, maybe the private chat where it's like, hey, they're like saying that Jesus isn't doing anything, but honestly, once he left, the tack died. It all but disappeared. I mean, the on one hand, you got Jesus isn't scoring, he's trash, and then he gets replaced, and this guy isn't scoring, but it's okay because, you know, he's going to get better. So it's just two different talks, two different, two different point of views. People are crapping on the MLS players during the uh the you know a tough uruguay team and by the way there were european players on that field who also didn't help so you can't say all the mls guys are trash that's why we didn't do anything european guys are good yeah they didn't score we didn't win but they're okay they were there and they're gonna get better but the mls guys gotta go it's it's just come on man yeah get it together yeah i mean when you uh, one of the things I've been I was looking at with Jesus is that 
um, the the fact that he isn't scoring, it's it's almost a replica of what was happening last year and like in the years before that. His transition to striker, those issues that we've been seeing. So, uh, hopefully, the U.S. like in the terms of FC like in terms of FC Dallas. Hopefully, what's happening with the U.S. is just because of the higher level and that it's not that FC that the FC Dallas run was like just a run and it won't be consistent. Um, but the main thing I see, is, especially on US Twi- uh, USMNT Twitter, is that no matter what Jesus hasn't been doing well, there Jesus still is the first choice striker. And that's because of how much the st- other strikers are underperforming. Like, I don't think Haji Wright was given enough time to show uh, whether he could take his form from Turkey and implement into the US Men's National Team. And he did get a goal technically, but ever there's no one else in the striker pool has been able to play consistently for their for their club teams or for the national team uh, due to injuries or form or whatnot. So I mean, it is slightly disappointing that Jesus wasn't able to score, but there are two more qualifiers. There, there's one more qualifier in September with two other teams. Uh, apparently, it's uh, the rumors are it's Saudi Arabia and Japan. Uh, so those will be interesting to us because, again, like Morocco and Uruguay, these are both World Cup uh, teams. Uh, so it is at the level that we need to see him perform. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if after those two games he still hasn't scored, then there is a serious issue that uh, it would be concerning going into the World Cup without with our probable, t- probable top striker not scoring goals. So Don't we also have, like, two nations – League oh yeah, there's the Nations League game. I forgot about that tournament. Yeah, there's also the Nations League, but w- with the Nations League, the teams we're playing, it's Granada, El Salvador, Guatemala. He scores against those teams. It's almost expected. I mean, I think against that, that the reason why Uruguay and Morocco were like important tests was because it was for the first time, besides playing Canada and Mexico, that we see Jesus face off against other World Cup-level opponents. Um, and he wasn't able to score. So Japan and Saudi Arabia will be another opportunity. Hopefully, you're able to score that. Yeah. yeah. Be interesting. But, you know, like, uh, I, in the second match against Uruguay, and, I mean, like, Joe Scali was just not very good at left back. Like, there was just... Uh, you know, may, maybe the positive you, you take out of these kinds of matches just... Uh, just figuring out a way to win, figuring out a way to keep it zero zero, um, you know that can be really helpful in the World Cup too, and and uh, getting Weston McKinney some some minutes, get him a little bit more fit. I mean, it's just there's so, yeah, it, it's interesting to see. I, I think it's hard to judge either of these matches and say, oh, this guy's definitely out or this guy's definitely in. You, you just have to take which it, is, learn, and which is USMNT Twitter right. in a nutshell. <laughs> Don't ever play that guy ever again. Right, right. But, uh, I just want to add that a good sign for Jesus is the fact that Berhalter is giving him the minutes, starting him back-to-back, keeping him on for the second half in, in, in the Uruguay game. So that's you want to see that. The coach clearly has confidence and is giving him credit for the little things that he's doing to help his teammates because even though he didn't score in the Morocco game, he was highly involved in the attack and an attack that scored produced three goals. So I, I want to just say that that's, well, he was involved in two of those, but 
still, that's something that, that while he wasn't directly involved, there are things he did that made things easier for his for his uh, uh, teammates. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. But like I said, at the end of the day, the coach seems to have confidence in him, and as long as he keeps getting the minutes, the goals will eventually come. Well, well, the other big news for uh, World Cup is that our the final group opponent uh, has been set. Wales is through. Uh, Ukraine, um, kind of heartbreaking, got so close and would have been certainly a story and uh, a huge story for the World Cup. Uh, a huge, I mean, a lot of support for them, I, I'm sure there would have been. But Wales will be no walk in the park, certainly. But um, uh, I think... Uh, I, I think USA should should expect to come away with some points against that match, if, if not win outright. But we'll see. Even though it'll be tough, it'll be tough. I mean, any any thoughts on uh, the weakest party of their group at this point? Uh, the weakest member: England, US, Iran, or Wales? Hmm. I mean, Wales is the only only team in the group besides the United States that has an MLS player in Gareth Bale, who's playing for Decent United apparently soon. So uh, I think it's probably Wales, uh, mainly because just watching the play against Ukraine, uh, it was surprisingly very poor offensively. Like, they're very well-structured defensively. Uh, but, like, considering it was – a home game for them. Of course, the circumstances are kind of different with what's happening in Ukraine, but this was a home game for them. And they played defensive the whole time, even before they had the lead. They were they were holding on to dear life. Uh, so, I mean, I think people might just say blindly Iran, uh, but considering how well they did in the last World Cup and how they've consistently got improved in their conference, I would say Wales, especially since this is their first World Cup in like six years. Like, I think that that is telling. <coughs> yeah, I mean, it's got to be Wales, but but let's not get hurt ourselves. I mean, they're a competent defensive team, and and with the uh, offensive struggle struggles that can uh, overcome the U.S., that's a team that. You may say they're weaker than the U.S., but they're still good enough to at least get a draw and even still a win. So I don't think that there's any team in the group that we can say, oh, yeah, we're going to beat those guys. Yeah, we're going to have to be on. Uh, it's going to be – it'll be a challenge. All right, well, let's let's uh, let's shift on there. And, of course, if you're watching, you have a comment about the uh, U.S. men's national team and what you saw from these past couple of friendlies post them in the chat or how you're feeling about the group at this point. It's coming. World Cup is coming. It's on the way, a few months away. Uh, I, I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, it's going to be a, a, a lot of fun. Let, let's now turn turn to some real fun, uh, which was North Texas SC. Uh, I, like, y'all, I just, I can't say enough about Coach Kaw. Uh, this this guy, I, 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 every call I do with him and I, and I ask him some questions, I want to, like, run through a wall for him afterwards. I'm like, I'm ready. Like, tell me what you want me to do, Coach. He's just so positive and a good guy, and uh, uh, and the players seem to like him, and he gets a lot out of that team. Case in point, this past weekend uh, against Colorado Rapids, to in Colorado in a really weird field, like no fans there. Uh, it was pure soccer. It was, you know, uh, it was it was like a deep cut. You know, it was like you, know, you had to be a real fan to be watching this. 
but uh, it was a lot of fun. They went down a goal early. North Texas did on a mistake, a slip by a defender. Colorado did did what they should do and just put that ball away. But then North Texas came back and scored three goals. Uh, a hope a goal that was just incredible, so skillful. Uh, they earned a penalty kick, and even the PK, Kamungo uh, slotted that in and added a little flair to it. Um, and then the final uh, final blast from Colin Smith, which was a, a great goal. We're going to show the highlights here as we talk. Uh, yeah, just what um, – yeah, Jack, we'll start with you. Just what did you love about this performance? I mean, it was just absolute dominance, aside from that mistake in the fifth minute, which, I mean, we spoke to Kahi, he owned up to it afterward um, as a tactical – um, situation, but when I mean from that point on, Hope totally took control over that goal he netted into the top corner. And for the rest of the game, I mean, going into halftime, North Texas had 76% of the possession. They just didn't let Colorado get the ball back, didn't let them get an opportunity in their own half of the field. And I think it wasn't until that penalty that Colorado got stopped on in the 92nd minute. That was their next shot on target since that goal in the fifth minute. So, mm. yeah, I mean, it was just absolute dominance. That was that was Bartlett, I think, who slipped there. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, it was. Gosh, disappointing. But, hey, you know, it happens. Uh, it does happen. Jose, what did you see that you liked? Well, uh, like you said, dominance, dominance, dominance. Now, I, would, I just want to point out that Colorado Rapids is one of the worst teams in the league. And this is what you want. I mean, other than the slip and the goal, it was North Texas. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the flow chart, but <laughs> the flow chart uh, is all Texas, too. Uh, there's like a couple of blips of, of Colorado here and there. But pure dominance, the kind of dominance you want, want to see from this team against uh, a team of this caliber. We saw this last week against uh, uh, Real. Uh, I mean, the previous game against Real Monarchs, another horrible team, another another one of the worst teams. In fact, the three worst teams in the league are in the Western Conference, and that's Real Monarchs, Colorado, Colorado Rapids, and this weekend's opponent, Timbers 2. So, yeah, I mean, North Texas is not sweating anything, uh, you know, against these guys, and, and, and it's just a pure professional performance. And, and you love to see it. I mean, I think that shows that this coach uh, has this team uh, purring. You know, it, it, it's it's humming along, and and uh, it, it's great to see. Yeah, it could have been could have been at least four goals there, maybe five. You know, it's just it's just interesting watching these highlights again. Uh, Ishmael, what about you? Did, you? did you get to watch this one? Yeah, I did, and I think I talked about it like a couple of weeks ago that um, after Vancouver that like for the, like for the month beforehand, uh, North Texas had, was having a tough schedule that they were playing Tacoma, San Jose, Houston, uh, Tacoma, actually Tacoma twice uh, going to SKC. Those are, those were like some of the best teams in the conference. Um, and then went then looking ahead into the schedule, I was like, Oh, we have three games where it really needs to be just North Texas showing how good they are. And it was impressive that 
even like like it was more in the Real Monarchs game where Araneda was playing at center back and so was Norris and like there was a little bit of rotation. But even in this game, that players that haven't been starting all year have come up and stepped up to the plate and have played very well. It's it's also really good that seeing consistency from players like Hope and Kamungo uh, and Mulatto that these players are continuously like this is this is what is needed to go further to the next step that you perform not only at the higher than this level, but continuously higher than this level. And just day in and day out, being able to just uh, knock in three goals against opponents like these, three or four goals. So, I mean, it was a great performance. I don't think it was ever in doubt, really, even after that goal, just knowing how much North Texas dominated. Uh, and just they need to do it again against Portland. Good stuff. Uh, so much, so much fun. And I, I, did, I think I stopped watching before the night, so I didn't see the penalty at the end. So that's, um, that was great. Carrera, Carrera. Was great yeah. Man, gosh. And it's, I just want to add that North Texas has a very, very favorable schedule remaining. They've got uh, four of, of seven of their next 11 opponents are opponents that are, that are not playoff contenders. Uh, four really tough opponents in there uh, with Dynamo, uh, Minnesota Thank United, you. Vancouver, and St. Louis. Those are the, the four tough teams that they play, and I believe three of them are on the road. Um, only Minnesota United. No, sorry. It's two on the road and two at home of those four. But the other seven matches, I mean, are teams that they should handle. If things go well, They'll have a brutal stretch. The last three matches of the season will be a showdown for supremacy as they'll face Minnesota United, who's red hot right now. St. Louis and the Dynamo are their last three opponents mm-hmm. of the season. And and there's nothing to say that, that regardless of what happens, North Texas should be in at the top of the Western Conference headed into the month of September if things go well. And I just want to point out that in previous seasons – North Texas has gone out and addressed their weaknesses that the roster has had in July. And they've done that by either promoting uh, academy players or bringing in players from their many, many college players that they have. They have a lot of resources available. uh, More so, I mean, not that other teams don't have it, but, but people forget how many, how many players this team sends to college, sends to universities and some of those players are willing to come turn pro. So SC Dallas has a lot of players that it can recruit from within its own uh, academy and academy grads. And and they tend to address any weaknesses. And, and I don't know that there's any weaknesses on this, on this team right now, uh, at least not at this level. So I'm not sure that they need to address much of anything at all. They do simply need to sign a couple of the, uh, I would say a couple of the academy kids that mm-hmm. have been playing, mm-hmm. uh, Santi Ferreira, Norris. Um, I think that's about it. I think I, I, I don't know any, any other additions that they need to add uh, unless there's an injury. I was just going to say, yeah, I, the only way I see the team making any changes is if they're just too thin with depth just because so many guys get called into these U20, U19 national right, teams. Right. So many guys are getting sent up to FC Dallas. I mean, 
with limited supply, Kaw has still managed to allow the fewest goals in the entire league. Um, and I think you mentioned this the other day, Nathan, that that's with eight different lineups in the back four. Um, but it's, you know, at, at some point, uh, Paul Madume was the only other center back on the on the roster for this last game. And he could have been with Canada national team if they were playing. So the Canadian U20s, that is. But at some point, you know, they get thin out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, yeah. you know, they, they've converted Araneta, I think, to CB and they played Norris there, which is something that everyone's been expecting to happen. So they're creating their own depth. I mean, I would say, I would say before those two guys started getting minutes and starts, you know, and getting wins, I would have said that center back is their their big weaknesses. But I don't know about that anymore. I, I think I think this team at this level is a solid from top to bottom. I can't think of any weakness that needs to be addressed. So I think, like you said, if, if there's injuries, call ups, or you know. Maybe FC Dallas signs one or two of the players that we've been saying they should sign, then there would need to be players brought in to replace them. Other than that, uh, I think this team is is rock solid and and, uh, definitely uh, a top playoff contender. Yeah, Worth noting that Nolan Norris started at center back for the U19s. He wasn't at left back. So it looks like his transition is – at least what they're going for is like the permanent ideal that he plays center back. So, I mean, they won against England two one, so that was fun. Yeah, exactly. And and I think I think that raises the, in my opinion, the odds that he'll get signed to this team because of his ability to play center back and left back, two positions of need on North Texas, and two positions that are are you know you want yeah. to develop for the senior team in the long run. So. Yeah. Uh, I think Norris is, if, he gets, if he gets a homegrown contract, I think he might. I think Santi Ferreira might get the uh, might get the North Texas deal. Uh, uh, but I think Norlin Norris has a real shot to being the next homegrown signed. Uh, Agreed. I don't know how this this uh, front office again, since this is a new front office in FC Dallas, uh, their homegrown signing um, tactics and what they want to do, whether that is like protective signings or just necessary signings. We're not quite sure yet what their yeah. trends are, but I mean, I don't know. Norman North should be signed to a homegrown contract, considering he then he was the only player called up to the U19s in the FC Dallas system, yeah. and he's starting at center back after being a left back for a long time in his career. Yeah, I spoke. To, I was just gonna say I spoke to Antonio Carrera, the goalkeeper, who's been practicing with Norris for years, and he said he's never seen him play center back before. So if he's, I mean, if he's just pulling this out of nowhere, it's absurd. At least during like practice and game setting, he had never seen it. So, yeah, I know that a lot of people that watch, uh, you know, the the youth nationals uh, have been talking about that there was conversations that that the the coaching staff was looking to move him to center back for a long time. So it wasn't really a shock, you know. Excuse me, if you go in, in, into the U.S youth national chat chat groups and stuff and nobody was shocked that he he was starting at at uh, center back more like it's about time they've been talking about it forever and it's finally happening so yeah i think i think like i said you've seen you've seen what this team has done with other young center backs you know with che and richard so i mean it's Mm. it's Mm. we think of right back as like the marquee spot that this team has produced talent but 
center back too. Yeah, good stuff. And the the other big the news was Bernard Camungo got his uh, citizenship, which is a really nice story and just a nice thing to see and got a chance to chat with him midweek and congratulate him on that. And um, of course, that it just always continues for us to raise the question of of whether or not Camungo is is uh, you know going to get uh, a senior contract at some point, maybe at the end of the season, but he's going to get a chance for that. And he reminded me in the conversation that he did train with the team. And I asked him about that, asked him about his dream, you know, and, and he wants to play for FC Dallas. He would love to play for FC Dallas, and he has a good relationship with Nico, and Nico's given him a lot of feedback on the things that he needs to grow in and continue to develop and to be the best player he can be. Um, so it, it, it is a question mark, especially since that is one area that FC Dallas could use some help as a third striker, someone, to, you know, if, some, if, if Hara or Jesus – we hope not go down. You know, it's the team is really thin up top, and so um, is that something they're thinking about? Is this something that even citizenship makes it a little easier to? I think he had a green card before, so it probably wouldn't have mattered. But makes things interesting, and and, and like his his penalty kick. I mean, he was just confident. You know, it was gutsy. It was just a little stutter step thing, and uh, you know, you love to see that from a young player, uh, a player who's uh, growing and and maturing and. Uh, serving as such a clear vocal point and uh, attacking force on this team. Well, like, I'm going to try to find a part in the uh, – I have a clip here from with Coach Ka uh, uh, from the media availability earlier this week, and I asked him about those that kind of questions about signing players. But I – hold, hold – st- Kind of take that next step on and, and on the field continue their their growth. Well, I mean, every game we've seen the growth that we that we're doing with our team, and then to help have have those guys take the next go to the next level, sign a pro deal with the team, or uh, you know, are, are those kinds of uh, conversation evaluations happening? No, obviously you we evaluate and we have uh, a great dialogue between. Uh, Nico, myself, Andre, uh, and uh, Matt Dennis, our GM. For us with the young players, I always say with young players, you got to take it step by step because uh, obviously, like I said, the outcome is for them to become pro. But if you look at the grand scale, how many of them can actually make it to the first team? Because that's also a very important case. But you're not only building them for your first team, but you're also building them maybe that they can go be pro somewhere else. In that sense, they carry the name of FC Dallas and NTSC where they go, which is also a very important factor to play in because the pathway is clean. They know that from the academy into NTSC. From NTSC, now the world's open up because either you get yourself a contract with FC Dallas or you may be able to get yourself a contract somewhere else. But the first steps is always we say they're here, so the focus is here. The focus is how can we get them professional minutes where they can continue their learning process, their growth as people and also as players, because we're talking about 16, 17, 19 year olds who, you know, haven't, haven't seen much of the world yet, right? They've lived in their little bubble, but it's to understand, all right, what goes beyond on just living in this little bubble of that. I mean, what happens when I become a pro, things, other things will fall on your lap. How do you deal with adversity? You know, so all of these things is matter. So there's always evaluation between our staff of the players, but also it's a process and a steady growth of what we want to see in our players.
All right. So we heard Coach Kaw there. By the way, uh, Coach Kaw is a Liverpool fan. I don't know if that it's good or bad in your opinion, but um, that's his team. Uh, got to ask him that earlier. But I, but I, 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 what I hear and what I interpreted in that, and I, and I think um, for those who, those of us who've been following FC Dallas for a while. Um, what I what I think I heard Nick because I think in years past it did seem like FC Dallas signed homegrown players a little too quickly sometimes, or or just didn't have the system in place to make sure they were getting minutes. And so we have that sort of early generation of, of guys who uh, really, you know, a couple maybe found a little bit of success in the lower leagues, but by and large they were here and then they were not here. Um, but then you've had this other next generation come up with the senior team, but now even this new with North Texas and, and these opportunities. So I even hear in his response that it's not just about, hey, this kid's good enough, let's just sign him to a deal and have an overflowing roster of players that don't get enough minutes, but what is the right step? And sometimes the right step is not here. The right step is some other team, some other situation, a loan deal or something like that. Um, Curious what y'all's reactions were to Coach Kaw's, uh, you know, response to my question. Jack, what about what do you think? I mean, at least when it comes to Hope and Bernard, I think they have to keep them in the Dallas system somehow. Um, these are not players they should be looking to sell or get get rid of. I mean, and I, I'm not sure what the path would be for that, but um, these two guys have a lot of potential in the MLS in the next few years. I mean. And they're, they're both drastically different players, but I think they're I think they're guys that um, FC Dallas has to try and keep around. Yeah, you know they're very raw players, so I mean I I'm in no rush for them to get signed up to senior team. I would love for them to get signed to senior team and loan back down to North Texas, but <laughs> I think I think you can say that they're there. They're at that point where this they need to go to a higher level. So the, either 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 sign them to senior team and loan them out to a championship side or North Texas maybe loans them out themselves. Uh, that's, that's what needs to happen to them. Maybe not this season, but, but definitely you can see that coming next season. They're just too good for this level now. And, and mind you, they're playing against other, uh, other teams reserves, you know, senior team reserves, like, you know, teams like Minnesota United and Timbers play a lot of, uh, reserves from their senior rosters, and, and these guys are dominating against those level players, which I think shows you that they're ready to at least take a step up. I, I do want to point out that you have to think that other teams of, of you know USL championship level caliber are probably inquiring about some of the players on this North Texas roster as, as this team has started to produce players that are productive at the division two and division three level. You were talking, you know, Damas uh, excelled in Orange County. You've got uh, Arturo over in Phoenix. You've got uh, 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 Maldonado and Murillo starting or rotating starting for Ford Madison. And then the hottest team in uh, at next pro is uh, Rochester New York City, and they got red hot when they moved Gibran Ryo to the center forward spot, where he's basically just gone on a tear. And I think I think he's chasing uh, Kamango uh, on goals. I mean, this guy has just 
and he's like five eight, you know. He's he's a winger, but they inserted him at, at center forward, and Rochester has gone from a very disappointing team to suddenly they look like the team everybody thought they'd be at the beginning of the year, you know, an independent team that could steamroll some teams, and that's what they're doing. So North Texas, at the minimum, is producing players that are productive at D2 and D3 levels. And you can bet that some of those teams are probably saying, hey, you know, we, we, we would like, you know, if you're not going to sign to the, to the senior team, why don't you send them to us? And let's mm-hmm. not forget uh, Nikki Hernandez, you know, helping knock out Austin FC yeah, with uh, yeah. Red Hot San Antonio, where he's been starting and, and that team's just been uh, one of the top teams in USL Championship. So, you know, North Texas players, man, that they – Mm-hmm. You, you got to think, you got to think that that they're fielding calls to saying, "Hey, either loan us some of your players or sell them to us." So I, I like I'm, I'm with Jack. You know, I like to see them sign some of them to the senior team, or work something out where where hey, you know, one of those one of those deals where it's like stay another year with North Texas and then we'll sign you something along those lines. Yeah, I think. Uh... When we look at players like from North Texas, I think if it's not signing with FC Dallas, I think the dream path is what Ronaldo Damos has taken. He's going to play in the Swedish First Division next year. His team got promoted. He's going to be playing in the Swedish First Division. Um, and I think it's it's a breath of fresh air that uh, Kai is able to just speak so openly about the fact that North Texas is – a pathway to multiple doors, right? Uh, like you can go to like either USL C, USL League One, MLS outside. Uh, I think with Kamungo and Hope specifically, um, it would be amazing to see if they're able to do what Ferry wasn't able to do this offseason and be able to make the jump. Uh, because uh, besides um, Hernandez, uh, no North Texas SC player that is an FC Dallas Academy graduate has been able to make the jump. And I think that was one of the more interesting aspects of North Texas when it was created, that it wasn't just – it was going to give minutes to Academy players, which was a very important thing, but it was going to kill two birds with one stone, which would also allow FC Dallas to stash talents like Mulatto, like Hope, uh Hope a player that they saw at Dallas Cup, but they weren't really able to get in FC Dallas. Those those kinds of players that you're, you want to be able to use your talent scouting to get these raw talents and be able to train them to be able to hopefully get to the higher, highest level. I mean, with Hope, it's been a journey, right? Like his first season, it was not great. His second season last year, it was pretty good. He started to get more consistent, but he also didn't get that many minutes. This season, he's just tearing it up. So, like, that's what you want. You want to see that growth, that consistency. Um, so if they're able to make that jump, the one that um, uh, Nicky Hernandez was able to do, uh, that would be great. I mean, it's just uh, – it's awesome to, like, to see the difference between, like, Quill and Ka. That it's, it's just really open, really honest, uh, and just uh, really seems to be um, doing as much as he can for the player's uh, best interest. At heart, right? No, I, you know, since you brought up Quill, I, I want to say that I did love what Quill did 
uh, stylistically with the team and whatnot. But he had his guys. He had his guys that, that he leaned on and, and maybe stuck with a little bit longer than he should have. Uh, and, and you know, you're not seeing that from Kai. Kai is not afraid to basically, you know, rotate somebody out, bring somebody in. Uh, and, and it's, you know, he, he tells you, hey, you know, it's a battle. And during practice, and and you can get yourself minutes if you produce, you know, and and, and you gotta love to see that. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm just want to point that out that I, I think that's the one improvement I see is is you're seeing the players that are out there. You scratch your head and go, why why is that guy starting? And then the team goes out and performs week in week out, no matter who's out there. That shows you that he is rewarding the players that are standing out, that are the hot hand in practice, and saying, okay, hey, you've been red hot in practice. You're getting to start, and then you're seeing that reflect on the play of the team on the field, which is great. Yeah, I mean, I, I just appreciate the honor. It does, it does feel like a shift, I think, just strategically that in the past, uh, you know, FC Dallas signed these homegrowns just because it was a new thing. Oh, yeah, that's what we're going to do. And also with the hope that I think, hey, we'll, we'll find some studs in here who will help the team, the senior team, get better. And now it, it's it's understanding as a selling team. Yeah, we want to develop these guys. We want them to land where they can land. But we're also not going to hold on to them too long. That if someone comes with the right price, um, we're going to let them move on because that the final journey may not be here with the FC Dallas senior team. It could be somewhere else. It could be you know, and and that means also being willing to let go of guys and say, hey, sometimes you know we can only do what we can do with them, but. They need to go on somewhere else, like Dama, uh, Ronaldo Damas, to, to to compete and achieve and continue to grow, and that may not be here right now. Uh, just that that mix, it's, it's just different. So it's it's a little bit. It, I don't think FC Dallas has ever done any favors to its homegrowns when they've they've signed them and they just they just practice and they don't really get minutes. Um, so figure well, out how to get them minutes and and grow and have places for them to step into and compete to get into. I just want to add that that's that all those there was a lot of panic panic signings after the whole Weston McKinney thing. You know, you got guys that have been here for years like Don Tassili and Roberts and stuff like that. They were basically they signed they they signed them really young because they were just trying to protect them. Maybe they, they weren't ready to help us and you're just now starting to see those guys come too. And but you you're not seeing that now now. I just want to point out that Kamango and Hope they're they're the new wave signings where they're signed to like a three-year deal where before it was two years and out that's why guys like arturo and damas who deserve to play at least three years with a team only played two and then they were out the door and then north texas fc dallas has learned from that and said okay maybe now you've seen damas and arturo doing really good at the next level maybe we need to give these guys you know more than just two years and out the door and that's why you see it now with Waldick, another guy that's that's been here for three years now, where the team's saying, "Hey, some of these guys need more than two years to develop." Before they had a they had a straight two years to prove you can make a jump, or you're or you're gone. Uh, Arturo, his brother, uh, I mean everybody you can think of, Callum Montgomery, uh, uh, Evans, you name it, all these guys, two years. Oh, you didn't make the senior team. You're traded or you're sold. And now you're seeing guys with Kamungo and Hope where they're saying, okay, these guys are pretty green. 
we need to give them that one year just to learn to be professionals. And then they got two years after that to, mm-hmm. to prove they could make the jump. And you're seeing that from this team and they're, and they're, they're embracing their approach saying, okay, maybe we, we don't with the way North Texas is working out. We don't need to rush to sign some of these homegrowns unless they're a next level guy like Carrera, who you absolutely had to sign, <laughs> you know, I just want to add that the Academy doesn't have, all these players like like the like you know Pepe or Jesus or Paxton they 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 don't have a lot of those players in the lineup but they have a lot of players that with several years in North Texas could be the next you know Edwin Cerillo someone that that that's not going to you know be knocking on, on the door for USMNT minutes but could be a solid starter on your team they have a lot of players like that on the academy not sexy, but if you give him, you give, need to figure out which one of them is willing to uh, commit to the team and 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 for the long haul, and and play two three years in North Texas before signing with the senior team. Yeah, yeah, good. So it's just, I think we're just seeing the evolution of of FC Dallas and their strategy of trying to identify talent and you know make things work. It's uh, it's been interesting to watch uh, unfold in real time. Well, good. Well. Uh, uh, North Texas, um, uh, we're we're still another week out before our next um, our next FC Dallas game. I didn't check the North Texas schedule. They play again they, this they weekend. Played, yeah, they played Timbers too. Yeah, um, who are winless. I, so yeah, mm-hmm. one of the worst teams. Wrong. One of the, one of the three worst teams in the league. Mm-hmm. And and they're and they're not a green team. It's not like it's not like Timbers twos. Has is playing a bunch of teenagers. They're playing guys that are you know 23, 24, 25. They're they're just a bad team. They they basically they used to be a championship team, USL championship team, and when they drop down, it's like any player that was halfway decent said, you know, I, I don't want you know I'm t- I'm not taking a step back in my career, and they either sold them or traded them or 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 cut them, you know, and and so you got a basically a USL former USL championship team that basically ta- didn't figure out what kind of drop it was going to be. My guess is they assume that they're like, Oh, you know, we don't need to go out and, and, and get all these players, the players that we have left over from the USL championship team, which wasn't that good of a team to begin with should be enough. And it's, you know, backfiring on them. Well, yeah, the, the, the circle back to coach call right now, uh, major league soccer, there's, there's two, um, at least two head coach openings, um, DC United, uh, Charlotte. Uh, is there a third? It seems like there's a third. Um, San Jose, did they did they bring in somebody? Yeah, San um, Jose. But so, you know, any of those teams would be, um, and, and, and at least a couple of those, I think DC and, and, um, and Charlotte, they're going to wait out the full season with their interim, giving their interims a chance. Although I think DCU, the way they're, DC United, the way they're playing is not, holding promise for that guy. Um, I think any of those teams would be an idiot not to talk to Coach Kaw about that position. I mean, just. <laughs> yeah, but I think Coach Coach Kaw is got, would, I'd rather see him, if he's going to make the jump, you know, get a full preseason. You know, I, I don't want him stepping into some of these teams that are, you know, trash can fires, you know, <laughs> that are basically self-imploding and then like, you know, come in. You know, I'm not saying he can't turn around, but I'm just saying, you kind of hope that I think he's a guy that's going to be at that level, but I'd like to see him come in and get a full preseason in and, 
and, and get his guys and get the team going the way he wants to go sure. instead of instead I of agree. jumping in and trying to save somebody. And then, I mean, Charlotte, I mean, how many coaches are those guys going to go through this year? I, I got a feeling that they're going to go through a couple of coaches. Yeah, well, I, I just think my point is you're an idiot if you don't talk to this guy. You don't bring him in and have that phone conversation or have that. You may not feel he's ready yet. You may want to see him another year. But, uh, yeah, you may want to see him undergo some adversity. But, yeah, because all those situations are challenging and um, certainly some young players in the mix there, here and there, that are promising to build on. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it, those are those would be a tough situation. But, he just—he's so much. He—he's just a great guy. He just seems like a great coach, and we're, we're North Texas is, is is reaping the benefits of that of his leadership. All right, we're about to we'll close up the show here in just a moment. Um, uh, we did have one FC Dallas rumor uh, that kind of filtered in, although it seems like more of a Houston Dynamo rumor, which is uh, and and I'm blanking on his name right now, but a potential striker signing that FC Dallas may be interested in, but. You know, who knows? Uh, it seems like Dynamo are more interested in him. Um, he was He's a Honduran player, is that correct? Yeah, his name is uh, Christian Sakaza. Uh, he uh, plays for one of the uh, lower teams in Honduras. He has 11 goals this Progresso, isn't it? Uh, and he has, yeah, he has 11 goals and nine yellow cards. <laughs> Uh, so I don't know. Uh, would be would be interesting. He's he's 23 and already has a national team cap, so it's already uh he he's already seen as a prospect in Honduras even at 23. Uh, he has height. He's played at left wing a ton this season because they played their 32 year old striker I think. Um, uh, since he's Honduras, it'll probably be Houston. Uh. I don't know why he would go there if they have both uh, their 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 lesser Ferrero and Corey Baird, but I mean, we do need like Camungo or um, if Mulatto makes the jump would be great signings for that backup striker option to learn from Hara as he departs the club this season. But I mean, it's also very good that the team is starting to look because. Um, the likely scenario is that not only does Harley, but so does Jesus. Just, well, I mean, just testing the waters in national team call-ups and yeah. leading the goal-scoring race. So, I mean, at least they're looking. That's a good sign. I just probably won't happen. It's the start of the silly season. That's right. And I'm glad you brought up Kamango and, and, and <laughs> Mulatto. Which I'm point out that, that uh, Christian is 23 and not – eligible for the U22 initiative signing that Dallas has available where Kamango and Mulatto are. Now, I, if, if the team's going to bring in a striker, I would hope it's a U22 initiative guy. That's a good point. I mean, and I think our international uh, roster uh, slots, I, I'm not sure where it is, but if, but I, I think the rumor is, and I think the expectation is, is that, uh, uh, that Shun is going to be departing at some point if nothing more than at least to a loan which could would open up a spot on the roster for an international signing of some kind and you know this Honduras striker guy for me he looks like uh what we used to call a clavijo special which is maybe you yeah you, you you convince the team to loan him to you 
and you get you know a few months to look at him and uh, option to buy at the you know or something like that it just seems uh, i mean it's also te- technically it is at a higher level but that is also the what's his name dang i'm blanking um but, i mean that's the special of the current technical director what um well not but i would say that's not true because 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 it's the level is different sonota yeah, level is, is bringing different. in Sonota is bringing Zenota. loan. Yes, yes. is bringing loan uh, loan players, but they're from Europe. You know, where 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 we're talking about the Clavijo special is some guy you never heard of from Central America or South America, and and you're like, who are these guys? Or or if you had heard of them, they're coming off a really serious injury, you know, uh, ACL or something like that, you know a blown knee when they're like, well, maybe they'll return back to their former selves. And a lot of time, many of those went nowhere. Sonata is bringing in loans, but you can see that he's there are a higher level, even if they, even if they don't pan out, they are a higher level than the, than the, than, than the, uh, Clavijo specials, which were basically why not gamble on these players. But now you don't have to do that because now you got North Texas. Right. You can sign those kind of players to North Texas. <laughs> And I'm and I'm surprised what Ishmael said there uh, before we close out the show that like that Frank O'Hara is going to depart the club. I think this guy has become one of our pillars. We're going to re-sign him. <laughs> Look, we'll... if, if if he takes like a two million dollar pay cut, which I don't think it's even allowed under MLSPA union rules. Uh, I think they can only split it by half. Uh, if he took that, I I don't know if the club would be willing. I don't know if. I don't think most fans would like it, but the club, knowing how much they love Franco, they might take it. But him if they taking can buy it down with Tam, make him a Tam him player. T- him taking out one point five million off of his salary, that seems like real club love. Which I mean, if he takes it at that point, then I think I want him here because that's that's saying that he has like dedication. But I don't know. I, it seems highly unlikely. <laughs> I mean, you could you could. Offer him that and say, hey, you know, after you, after you know you sign this contract, afterwards we'll have a coaching spot for you. Why not? Yeah, again, you never know. I think it depends. I think it depends on how he like his his current living situation. He seems comfortable, so maybe he's willing to sacrifice a bit for it, and maybe how he sees his uh, career trajectory. Like if he still sees himself as being able to play. For like three years, I don't think he'd take the contract, but it depends. I mean, I mean, if if he's willing, if he can convince some team in Mexico that's hard up for a score that he can still produce and give him two million, why not? You know, why? You know, if he's got a last hurrah, then why not? Yeah, I just wanted to. We never. Who knows? This this the Frank O'Hara saga may unfold in different ways that we have yet to imagine, but. Um, but you're right. He's a good guy. He's a really good guy. Uh, the goals just haven't come. But hey, um, well, let's let's leave the show there. We we we've hit the United States men's national team, um, North Texas, and and even a little FC Dallas rumor to like a like a like a slice of cheesecake at the end of a good meal. Yeah, that's right. Uh, appreciate everybody for joining us tonight. Um, did have some technical issues. I didn't get to see if anybody posted any chat things. So oh, if we missed your comment, sorry about that. Please hit us up on Twitter 
Thanks, Jack, for jumping on a short notice and joining us tonight. Um, appreciate your coverage so much, Ishmael. Thanks for for, for that that tour, letting us live through your your United States Men's National Team caravan experience. And Jose, I'm here. <laughs> hey, and Jose was on his first uh, post game media call. I got him on there, and he was like, "How did I do?" And it was he knocked it out of the park. It was just phenomenal. A couple of great questions. Uh, and uh, got a feel for I, it. I followed, I followed North Texas really good, so. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's good. Uh, yeah. All right, well, thanks, Ishmael. Thanks, uh, Jack. I have to get going, too. So I need to go get All some right, sleep. good night, everybody. We'll see you next good Monday. Night. All right. All right. Good night. I got you.